Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to episode 104 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton. This episode is part of our Vibrant Music Studio 101 series, and this building block is called Welcoming. Welcome back, beautiful teachers, to our foundational series called Vibrant Music Studio 101. If you've been a listener or a blog reader or a member of Vibrant Music Teaching for a little while, you will probably have heard me talk about new student interviews or meetings and how passionate I am about doing these before students start their first lesson in your studio. It sounds like a tiny little silly insignificant detail, but it actually affects so, so much of what you will do with them for years to come. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is all around this word welcoming. It's about welcoming students into your studio the right way, thoroughly and properly. You might think of it as orientation, right? the same kind of idea, welcoming them or orientating them or onboarding, as we often call it in the business world. What does that mean? Well, it means that students start your studio on the right foot. They're not filling in the gaps here or there in their knowledge about how things will run and how things will go. They're given all of this information up front and they're taught it essentially in a comprehensive way. If you welcome students and parents to your studio correctly, thoroughly, and have a system for doing so, they will feel excited to be part of it. They're not just happy enough that they found an okay teacher local to them, right? We want them to be jazzed. We want them to be excited to be a part of your studio and to fully buy in to your community, your studio's community. You know, if you learn a little bit about marketing, you start to learn that actually one of the most important parts about it is not the advertising end of it. It's not the upfront part before people buy, especially with something like music lessons where it's essentially a subscription, right? It's something they have to stay a part of, stay enrolled in for years to come, hopefully. The most important part, especially in our type of business, is what happens after they make that decision. So they pay your enrollment fee or the deposit for lessons or they pay the first month. 
what happens next? What happens next inside their brain, when we purchase anything this is, is they're asking, was that right? Was this the right way to spend my money? Did I make a good decision? And am I going to look like an idiot later? That's what we're asking ourselves. Imagine you buy a microwave, right? Something as dispassionate as that, something far removed from music lessons. You go and you research some reviews and you ask friends for recommendations maybe, and then you purchase one. And from that moment until you use it or have used it several times, you're questioning, did I make the right decision? Am I going to discover that this was a really silly microwave to buy because I chose it because it's red and they tricked me into that and actually it's slower than all other microwaves or something, right? Or it's dangerous in some way or whatever. We don't want to look like we made a bad decision and we don't want to waste our money and parents purchasing piano lessons are no different. So as well as bringing in the student and thinking about making them feel welcome, getting them started, teaching them properly. We have to think about the parent onboarding, the parent starting off in your studio as a customer of a business and making sure that they know that they made the right decision, that this studio is perfect for people just like them and their child and that they're going to fit in amazingly well. And this starts, as I said, crucially, at that first meeting or the first interview lesson. So if you're not doing any kind of meeting with new parents and new students before they have their first lesson, I want to emphatically encourage you to start. I used not to do this, and I used to do it kind of sometimes, kind of if the parent wanted it or I had a reason, but not as a matter of policy, not strictly every single time. And now I always do it because once I started doing this more regularly, I saw the difference in terms of how well parents supported practice at home and how well they understood the vibe of our studio and our studio culture and how much they bought in to what we were doing and the experience of lessons with me, right, at our studio, how we're different to other places and how we're the same how we run things in terms of policies and payments and all of that good stuff as well. So set up interviews or meetings, whatever you want to call them, with all new parents and students in your studio, adult students included. Obviously, you don't need to bring along their parents. Your job at these meetings is to explain your studio and get them excited about it. So start by getting them excited. Give them a little tour of whatever is in your studio space. It doesn't mean it needs to be a fancy space. Mine is just the side of my living room anyway. But I show them my games library, where I keep my music books and how much different genres we have. I don't have to go into this in detail. I'm just giving them a flavor of it, right? And then I explain a bit more about our studio, how, well, I ask them about how they came across us and whether they'd read a bit of the blog or anything like that, because often they have. And whether they have or they haven't, I explain a little bit about the way that we run our studio and what our whole philosophy is. Without using any jargon or any musical terms they don't understand, I explain how improv 
and reading have somehow gotten separated off from each other. And we've come to see classical music lessons as being just reading, and they shouldn't be. And at the same time, we don't teach reading particularly well in general in music lessons, because we teach it with mnemonics and all of this kind of stuff, right? So I explain a little bit about that. It depends on the parent's background, how much I go into the whole mnemonic thing. But if they have had lessons themselves, and perhaps been turned off from their own lessons, I will explain a little bit about that side of things as well. But mostly I want to get across that our goal in our studio is to open all the doors. It's to say you can do a little bit of jazz and a little bit of classical music and improv and compose your own pieces and learn really solid foundational theory that will work in any of those contexts so that you can become a lifelong musician, someone who really enjoys playing in their free time or professionally, whatever avenue you decide to go down. So I explain a little bit about our studio, how things run, how fun it is, and the lesson formats and stuff like about buddy lessons and that kind of thing and how that's going to work and why we do it and why it's a bit different. This does not take long. It sounds like I'm explaining a lot, but I'm just doing it briefly. I'm just giving them a flavor of what our studio is about. And then I'm also walking through the policies. So explaining face to face when things, when payments are due, what payment options they have and how to set that up and how it works, how it flows. Also explaining about our calendar, when we normally have concerts and group lessons and how they register for those and about our all-inclusive fees, so how books and everything are going to be included. They don't have to worry about any of that. And also, I will mention that they're going to get a practice folder at their first lesson, and that all of the practice info will be in there. So that's all at the meeting. This really only takes a few minutes. Most of my new student meetings are literally 10 minutes, I'd say. Sometimes they run longer. If a parent really wants to chat about it, or if they have particular concerns, or anything like that. Of course, I will allow for longer than that. So I will book a slot in my schedule that's about 30 minutes just in case. But it's generally just 10 minutes. It's just a quick check-in. And it sounds like nothing. But it makes all the difference. The other reason this makes a difference is that you need parents in your studio that are a good fit for your studio. So while I don't necessarily turn anyone away, I do take this opportunity to make it clear what we're about so that they can make sure they're a good fit. Because if they come into me now, the kind of parents that are attracted to my website and therefore get in touch with me, or my name is passed along to them from a friend or something like that, they're generally not after a strict exam-focused environment. But if they were, I am the wrong fit for them. I do not want them there. They do not want to be there. And the faster we can come to that conclusion, the better, right? I am not interested in pushing students through exams. And if that is their goal, if they want this for their child's future CV, they're in the wrong place. And if that's the case with you, especially if, you know, you don't have these sort of filter systems of this blog that people are coming across because they're looking for creative lessons, you need to make that clear up front what kind of studio you are and what kind of studio you aren't so that you don't just get into conflict with people, right? In whatever mild way, it's not going to fit. And down the track, 
you know, they're going to quit, their child is going to end up not learning music at all, or they're going to switch studios, or you're going to have a bigger conflict and you're actually going to end up arguing with each other. And that's not obviously not what you want. So all that to say, do this new student interview or meeting. And while you're talking, make sure that they really seem to be on board. You want them nodding along. You want them understanding. Had these opinions before or just had never thought about it. You want to see that they get what you're about. Then after the first meeting, when they start lessons, you need to think about the emails that you're going to send to the parents. I call these onboarding emails. That's a marketing term. You can call them welcoming emails. Whatever you want to do, you need to have a system that over the first several months in your studio, they're going to get some kind of set of emails that is going to help them integrate into your studio culture. That sounds big and overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. What you want to send them out is things like how to access the resources. If you use something like, uh, if you use a Dropbox folder or you manage resources inside My Music staff, or you just uh, need them to download tracks that are linked to in the front of a book that they're using, something like that. We all have bits and pieces now that we need people to get on board with. Maybe you need them to set up a Piano Maestro account on their iPad if they have one, that kind of stuff. You also want to help them establish practice routines. This is another thing that I'll be talking about in the new student meeting so that they understand how practice functions and I can look them in the eye and tell them if they're a parent of a child, like not a teenager, but a child, tell them face to face that it is their responsibility to make this routine happen and give them advice again, looking them in the eye to see that they understand it about how to make that happen. And then I follow up with this with emails that explain how to establish a routine, what to do if it's not working, and continually ask them to reach out to me if they need more help so that they see me as a support in this, not as the monitor, right? I have more advice about these onboarding type of emails on the blog, so you can go to the show notes for this episode at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 104 and we'll leave links there about there's a blog post about five stages of piano parent onboarding if you want to dive into this idea further. But basically, in the essential form, in the foundational form that we're going into in this podcast, what you need is at least a few emails laid out in advance, decide when you're going to send them, and then tweak them as necessary before you send them out, of course, saying how to access resources, how to get practice going, any other advice that's specific to your studio, and at least one email at some point during the first few lessons that tells them how fantastic their child is. Now, that shouldn't be pre-written, but you can write sort of a template that you then go in and write specific stuff for that child about how Fred has an amazing ear or about how you love the improv he came up with or whatever it is. Some fantastic detail that shows that you see them, you see their child and that they're doing great and they made the right call by choosing you as their child's teacher. Okay? Do these things and you will get parents much more integrated into your community. And if you want to take it a bit further, you can organize a parent evening or a parent coffee morning to bring them together as well so that they can discuss 
common issues, practice concerns, establishing practice routines, or just have a bit of a natter, right? In person, in your studio, so that they can start to build a parent community, which is just a dream situation for you because they become part of a culture that they don't want to leave and that they buy into and believe in. So tell me, is your studio welcoming? Now that I've described what it means to be welcoming or to onboard people, do you think your studio fits the bill? And if it doesn't, what are you going to implement to make it more welcoming this week or this month? Head on over to the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Group on Facebook. We'd be happy to chat to you there about this and help you brainstorm some ideas that are going to work for you in your business. I'll see you there. Early on in this pandemic, I decided to keep the podcast a pandemic panic free zone as teachers look for a bit of respite from what's going on in the world right now. And that's going to continue. But if you do need access to resources, we absolutely have them available for you to help you improve your online teaching game, to get you set up, to help you with whatever you need. So if you're not a member, you can sign up using the coupon code online right now. You can use that for monthly membership and it will get you one week trial to the membership for just one dollar so that you can test it out and get access to the resources that you need. Games for online teaching, creative ideas and tech help as well. If you are a member, all you need to do is jump over to the library or into our community forums and we'll be able to help you there. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.